All right. Hi there. My name is Jessica Crow, and I am the founder of Apogee. Apogee is a change management training and consulting firm, and this is Change Leader Insights. This is our podcast series, and I'm so excited to have Anthony Casablanca with us. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Hi, Jessica. Doing great. Thanks. Good, good. So Anthony is, he's got, I'm going to read this because there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff that Anthony has done. So Anthony is an author. He's a speaker. He's a consultant. He's a trainer and he's with Grief Leaders, which is a company that you and your brother started back in 2019, around the time that you launched the book that you co-authored called The Dying Art of Leadership. And your firm, you're a change management training, a consulting firm focused on how to help organizations, I believe you say, change how change is implemented with the understanding that grief is a core component of change, uh, our experience with change. And um, I'm really happy to have you here because I align with the idea and the message so much around really understanding um, grief and how it impacts individual organizational readiness and ability to change. Um, so tell us, tell everyone who's going to be watching and listening to this conversation, how you landed with grief leaders in more detail. So the background around how you kind of came to, to be. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, love to talk about and share our, our thoughts and philosophies around change management and the emotional component of change. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Um, Back in 2019, my brother and I, um, uh, who had been, we, we had been thinking about, he's 10 years younger than I am, he's a duly licensed funeral director. We had been thinking about ways to work together on some projects and grief in the workplace started to be sort of a commonly written about phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And with his funeral service background, my senior leadership background, we decided to come together and, and start a training company. And our advisors said, two of which were best-selling leadership authors, uh, said, boy, we've been doing this leadership training thing a long time. We've never seen anybody approach the topic the way you guys are from a yeah. leadership perspective. You ought to write a book. So we really didn't have plans <laughs> to write a book, but, but we, took a, we took a year and, and wrote the book. Um, and, and really, as we, were, as we were pulling together our thoughts around what we do and who we are. Um, I realized that over my career, one, I had been blessed, right? I spent 31 years as a senior leader. Um, I had been blessed to work for people who really got the human element mm -hmm. of, of everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I recognized and had the opportunity to work on projects that at the time, huge, actually huge change leadership projects that at the time, seemed like these god-awful assignments because I was <laughs> shutting down a plant or right. I was, you know, managing layoffs or, um, but in reality, because of the guidance I got from my mentors as I was going through it, I learned an awful lot about the human and emotional impact mm -hmm. leadership decisions have on people, right? I got to yeah. experience where the rubber met the road, where I had to sit down across the table from Jessica and tell her that her plant was closing. She was no longer going to have a job, but hey, we're going to help you through all of this mm -hmm. and developed incredible relationships. Uh, the projects were enormously successful. 
Yeah. Um, and so as I reflected back, there was sort of this natural link between my my career experience and the work we were about to embark on, uh, which which is helping organizations navigate the emotional component of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't, it's a cycle, change, grief, change. You right. can't break it, right? Um, right? Anytime a person experiences what they perceive to be a loss, they will grieve. Right. And that that loss can be the loss of a loved one. It can be a significant illness diagnosis. It could be a child being bullied at school, or it could be a change, a significant change in their work life, uh, which triggers a whole bunch of emotion. And what we found is leaders are not trained on how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they ignore it and they wait for performance issues to arise. And then they deal with the performance, which just compounds the problem. Yeah. And good people wind up leaving organizations because, frankly, they weren't supported very well through the change process. Yeah. That's such an important call out where they wait for the performance management opportunity to come in and then they deal with it. And, you know, uh, from some of the literature and um, content that you've created, you've talked about how it shows up as resistance when in reality, they're just going through this process of grief, um, you know, and change management as, as practitioners, we're trained on, you know, bridges transition model starts with that ending. And then it's, you have to mourn the loss of the old way before you can get to that neutral zone where you start to play with the idea of, okay, what could this be like in the new environment and then start that new beginning. Um, so having what's really neat is that, you know, you understand the leadership aspects, you understand the change management side, and then both you and your brother, you know, he's, he's also got that experience dealing with individuals and the extremes of grief. So it's like this, you know, your, your brain power has come together to create this way of approaching how leaders not help people navigate emotions, um, that grief emotion, that grief, grief process in the workplace. Um, so how would you, so let's say, um, I'm a leader of a team. We're going through a uh, a workplace change. Maybe we're implementing a new system that's going to end up replacing and potentially eliminating some of the jobs, um, the roles on the team. But we'll have this, you know, new solution that's automated and centralized, and it's great in so many ways. But there's also, you know, you've got some people that'll be sticking around, some that may need to be you know, put into different roles, how would you approach that conversation with the leadership team or the leader of the team as it relates to bringing in that element of grief into the conversation? Right, right. So I'm glad you threw in the leadership team, right? Because that's really where our work begins mm-hmm. is way back at the sort of the, the initial spark of, hey, we want to implement this change, right? The yeah. earlier we can be engaged in the process, the better the outcomes. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things there. One, um, uh, we, we would ask the leadership team, you, you know, most, most change leadership, most change uh, implementation processes follow the same sort of, you know, um, develop a burning platform, communicate the burning platform, yeah. tell people why, right? Share the vision. Why is this going to be a better thing? Implement the change, hold people accountable and move on, right? And and while there are elements of the human change model that people teach, um, like you mentioned, the Bridges model and mm-hmm. you know, um, 
Versailles teaches some. What winds up happening is the leadership team just overruns all of that. Totally. Right? And they want, right? We, it, it quickly devolves to project management. Um, and we and the, the human element, even if the change leadership group has been, the change management group has been trained that way, the processes typically don't support them actually going and do that. So, so we meet with, with organizations and we ask them to think about a couple of questions before they even embark on all of that process, mm-hmm. which is, do we care about the emotional and leadership health of our organization, mm-hmm. right? Do we understand it, right? So we may care about it. Do we understand it, right? Um, and does our, do we have a change management process that addresses the emotional elements of change, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then those three questions lead to, is our culture ready to support this change? Uh, are our frontline leaders prepared to support the change? Because one of the things that gets overlooked is the very people that you're asking to lead the change mm-hmm. are probably being impacted by the Mm -hmm. change and they're going through this, they're grappling with all of the same emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And they often get left out of the equation, right? We we say, hey, go do this. In the meantime, that's great, but I'm wondering, well, who am I gonna report to and what happens to my organization? And and am I even gonna have a job? And so I'm battling all of those emotions as well. And then finally, is our change management process really robust enough to handle this change? So Mm -hmm. it really starts there. Yeah. Um, and of course, in order to understand the emotional and leadership health of the organization, you, you need to assess it. And so, you know, we we would not really like to engage by the time by the time most organizations call us, it's probably already too late. Right. Right. Um, because things are already in motion and we're asking us to go back and sort of undo things. Right. But if we had our way, we would start the process with an emotional and leadership health assessment. Yeah. Um, that we have. Um, and then that that sort of points us in the right direction, right? Because we can we can by function, by team, by organization, we can now start to say, hey, these elements are lacking in your mm-hmm. culture. Your people do not feel respected, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. your people do not feel emotionally and psychologically safe. Or this team right? The culture of the organization may be good, but this particular team may be lacking in those things, right? So, so we need to sit down with the leader and we need to understand more about their style and how they engage with people. And, um, and so that's really where our process starts, starts yeah. um, is, is building through that process. And then at the individual leader perspective, uh, which is where your, your question started, we find that most leaders fall into the trap of managing uniformly, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I almost am hesitant to say leaders, right? We find most managers fall into the trap of managing uniformly. Mm-hmm. And during times of change, frankly, always, but especially during times of change, leaders need to adapt their leadership approach to match the needs of their people. Mm-hmm. And most leaders don't do that, right? Not, not many um, had a good example set for them, right? I mean, exactly. I that, you know, as you're as you're saying all this, not to kind of weave in another idea here, but no, go ahead. it's interesting that kind of where we're at as being able to talk about grief and emotion and caring for people in a more personalized way. And, you know, I've talked about this with 
um, lots of guests on the show and I, I, I've sort of woven it into my own approach, but prior to the pandemic, and I hate to use that as the anchor point, but it felt like that was, you know, having these types of conversations were less, there's less of an appetite for it. And then today recognizing that the, the grief that you're talking about is related to the change at work, but there's so much grief that we've experienced over the last few years as a result of the pandemic and, you know, in just daily life, there's a lot of challenges and we bring our whole selves to work. And it feels like now there's an appreciation value in having conversations around the well-being, the emotional needs of our employees. And we've seen the, you know, people responding because, and, and making changes, like leaving the organization, the great resignation, the great reset, all of the right. things that have happened. It's like, we're finally having these really important conversations that it existed that way before, but it just wasn't the same. You know, if you were to talk about the C-suite, how the emotional needs of your employees, they'd be like, you know, it wasn't as, there wasn't as much, um, there was caring individuals, but it wasn't the same that it is now. It just feels different. And I'm grateful for that. I mean, do you agree with my line of thinking or do you see it as like, this has just been a long time coming regardless, even the conversation um, about grief and, you know, how we lead yeah. versus manage. So I think what the pandemic did was it, it, it clearly sort of distilled the muddy waters. Mm -hmm. So so people have never been able to check their personal lives at the door, although yeah. that was what organizations expected, right? right? And leaders are told not to go there and don't talk about it. And that's that soft emotional stuff. Don't, don't do that, right? But what the pandemic did overnight was Literally. it <laughs> blurred those lines, right? Yeah. Because now work was home and home was work. Mm -hmm. And there was all of this, right? We could no longer separate the two. Mm -hmm. um, and so from that perspective, and then, and then we had all of the loss and the trauma yeah. and the, the, the isolation and all of the things that went on and the, the struggle to try to understand the information that was being thrown at us all and our masks, right or not, right? What should, should what six feet, what, what do we do? Where do we go? Right. Right? So we we can't get toilet paper, right? There was just all that stuff going on. And so it, it brought it to the forefront, right? But even before that, mm -hmm. right, uh, the Grief Recovery Institute did a study that would indicate that one in four people were grieving at work every single day, yeah. one in four people. And it was costing organizations $100 billion a year, right? And then when you extrapolate that a little further, right, because we like to think people are burned out, which is mm -hmm. a very clinical sort of sanitary term that makes the problem the employee's fault rather mm -hmm. than it's it, there's something that's going on in our work culture that causes mm -hmm. that. But burnout is actually just a symptom of grief, right? Yeah, okay. Something has changed in the work arrangement that this person perceives to be um, uh, life altering and permanent, right? Mm. I'm tired of working all these Saturdays. I'm tired of working 14 hours a day. This wasn't what I signed up for. I have a new leader and the, the culture of the organization has changed, right? 
that's those are the things that lead to burnout. And it's mm -hmm. an issue that the organization needs to deal with. When you throw that on top of it, now you start to get some other statistics in play, right? Mm -hmm. Like 70% of the workforce is disengaged. 13% mm -hmm. of those are actively sort of sabotaging the organization. Burnout leads to $190 billion a year in added healthcare costs, mm -hmm. two and a half times more likely to take sick days. Those people are more likely to leave. And so it's it's been there. Yeah. What happened with the pandemic was it we could no longer avoid it. Right. Yeah. We, we suddenly had to have too. those yeah. conversations. Yeah. Right. And the organizations that truly do it well, I believe, are thriving. Mm -hmm. The ones that are doing it just for messaging and because it seems like they should be doing it, even though they really don't believe in it, um, they their people are seeing through that and yeah. are leaving and they're struggling and right. Um, I, I don't care in, how many you know, gender just, yeah. neutral bathrooms you have or how much time you give people to do yoga or how much you uh, have mental wellness benefits and all of that. At the end of the day, all of the stuff we're talking about comes back to leadership mm -hmm. and organizations that recognize that and invest in that, they will do well. The organizations that just want to track the numbers and say, hey, look at us, right? Um, uh, and they have all of this nice flowery messaging, but they're really not changing the way they do business inside mm -hmm. the organization. They're the ones that are struggling and people are leaving and nobody wants to work there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. So, you know, as for leaders in an organization, why is grief such an important emotion to be thinking about um, you know, why, why is it such a powerful emotion? How does it, you know, walk us through how this plays into, um, you know, the, maybe the coaching and, and recommendations sure. that you give to organizations on, you know, something that is unavoidable and also hugely impactful. Sure. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about on the change management, change leadership side of things, mm -hmm. right? So, so absolutely anytime a person experiences um, what they believe to be a loss of any kind, mm -hmm. um, that will trigger the grief cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And the gap, as I've alluded to a little bit earlier, is the implementation models do not agree and do not comprehend and do not include the scientific models of change, right? Mm -hmm. There's this huge gap. If you if you Google the science of change, almost every single graph that comes up will include the five stages of grief, right? It's an emotional right. curve, right, that they show. But when you Google change implementation models, those are not there, right? right. <laughs> um, and yep. so long before you ever announce the change, right, people are very insightful. Organizations are very insightful. Um, there's this thing called anticipatory grief. People mm. start to see signs, they start to hear rumblings, right? And they start to think about, oh my gosh, if we're gonna do this, I wonder if we're, what if we're gonna be acquired? I think the company's gonna be up for sale. I think we're gonna be acquiring another company. What's gonna happen to us here in finance? Cause they're not gonna need two finance departments, 
right? All of that starts to play out. Mm-hmm. And there were two studies that were done. Harvard did a study uh, that said that 75% of all change initiatives fail at some level, mm-hmm. right? They fail to deliver the, the anticipated results at some level. McKinsey followed that up and found that 70% of those failures were related to human and cultural issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't because it was a bad strategy. It wasn't because it was the wrong solution or a poor technical solution. It's because of human and cultural issues. The human issue is this emotion that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? People are not resistant to change. They just resist being changed, right? Yeah, being told what to do. (laughs) Exactly, right? And, And a leader's failure to acknowledge what the person is feeling Mm-hmm. is what leads to the failures, right? That's what leads to the resistance, right? And I could give you some fancy terms. It's actually called disenfranchised grief, right? Okay. If, if I fail to acknowledge your emotions, you feel invalidated, you feel um, almost like you, unbelieved, right? Yeah. You don't feel supported. You go deeper into the emotion, right? Now you're angry at me or the organization, right? I've now made your grief more complex, right? So it's called disenfranchised grief. Um, Leaders who do support the person, leaders who do engage in the discussion, um, now I've validated your emotions. And I'm not just, this discussion is not just to make sure you understand the key messages of the organization. This is truly to understand how, how can we help you through this? right? What are you experiencing? What are your issues? What questions do you have, right? What emotions are you feeling, right? Um, And not everybody's going to share, but that's okay, right? That's not the goal is to get everybody to share. The goal is to to get people to recognize that that I care about you as a person, right? Um, And that I, I recognize what you're going through. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, you know, not something that, I mean, you can, you can, as I'm thinking about, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about past experiences with leaders when a change would happen and the key message was just, you need to be more adaptable, be more flexible when these things happen. That is that disenfranchised. Right. You need uh, to get over it. Yeah. It's like, wait a second. So everything you said makes so much sense. But then when I think about the individual who delivered that message, my thought was my next thought, as you were talking was, I don't know if they had the skills themselves to, or the, the capacity to have that type of, um, or even the desire, right. To make that emotional connection, because what you're describing makes a lot of sense, but it really transforms how we think about leaders in the organization from that performance management, you know, they didn't meet their KPIs or whatever that's the ding, or they are resisting to what is the true definition of a leader? How do they develop that empathy, compassion, and have that desire, which I don't know, can you train for desire? I think that's something that, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you coach uh, organizations on that? You know, like developing that layer of leadership where they actually find that um, desire to have those questions or have those conversations. That's tough. Sure. So we teach, we teach a three, we, it's 
three circles that we teach, right? Mm -hmm. And the more you can get these three circles to overlap, the greater the results. And the three circles are respect for people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and we teach a staircase um, that, that can help the organization. It can also help individual leaders. Emotional and psychological safety is the second circle, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, which is really all about leadership, courage, leadership, compassion, and leadership mm -hmm. vulnerability. If those three things are missing, it uh, doesn't matter how much other stuff, I don't care how great your purpose is, how much you're trying to save the world, right? How much plastic you remove from the oceans every year, no matter how powerful your purpose is, if your leaders do not demonstrate leadership courage, leadership compassion and vulnerability, people will not feel psychologically and emotionally safe and they're never gonna raise their hands. They're gonna, they're gonna go inside, right? They're gonna go underground and they're gonna become cynical and feel like they're not respected. And they're never gonna share the things that need to be shared. And the yeah. third circle is adaptive leadership, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so you're right. I think, you know, particularly with the younger generations, millennials, Gen, Gen Z, Gen X, that, that group, they want to be led this way. And those are, that's the leaders that they want to be. They've just not there. A lot of organizations just haven't made it clear that that's the expectation and that they have permission to lead that way. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's where the change management group, right? The OCM group and the human resource group can play a big role in all mm -hmm. of this. Um, and, 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 and yes, I think you can be trained. Right. I, I think you can be trained to once you're given permission, I think, and, and you're given the space mm -hmm. to do it. And, and, and the, the process has been altered to give space to have these discussions. Um, then I think, I think folks can respond and can change the way their approach to leading people. But I will tell you, it's really, really hard to do it in the middle of the change. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. You know, awareness, I think, can lead to that desire that can do all the, and then the training can reinforce it. And you're absolutely right. In the midst of change, it does feel, um, you know, it's like, uh, ideally, you can preempt some of what will happen as a result of the change by having conversations before it ever happens. You know, you talked about the three kind of circles and how they overlap. Um, you know, I think about it as from as connection, collaboration, compassion. So some of the same tenets there, mm -hmm. uh, and, and how, as a leader, if I focus on connection, being that vulnerability, the social relationships, getting to know people beyond just the value that they bring to the organization, um, collaboration, how do you create that sense of belonging? Cause that's a big part of, you know, as I think about grief, and the grief that I've had in my life, having it, you know, when I'm suffering alone, it feels a lot worse than when I have people to be there and support me and acknowledge what right. I'm feeling. So, um, you know, that's where the collaboration and then compassion, I think, comes to recognizing that everyone is going through a loss. Grief is a loss and change represents a loss. And so um, I love that we're sort of saying the same thing, but differently. And I think it's a really important, you know, it's important for change management practitioners, project managers, HR, for any 
leader of people to be thinking about what you're talking about, that grief is a part of the process that change grief change, as you said it. Um, and that by acknowledging it, that is really the first step. And then you can have the right types of conversations. Um, one thing, you know, we've talked about managers versus leaders, uh, you know, one simple change, I think if I'm listening to this podcast, um, is that how, how can I do that today? And it's turning the conversations more into a coaching conversation versus, um, a management conversation, right. Where you're asking how they did. So that would be like right. one recommendation I would give to someone that's practical. That's easy. Asking a lot of questions, helping guide people to their own answers. What would be one simple, you know, if I'm, I know that ideally you have the leadership team for the organization on board, but if you were to give one simple, um, thing that a people leader could implement today, that would acknowledge, uh, the way that people feel when a change happens and help to help guide them through the process, what would that be? Um, replace judgment with curiosity. Oh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Right. So instead of, instead of, um, so there, there would be two things. That's one. The other would be to engage early in the process, right? Yeah. Don't wait for the performance to slip. Um, in fact, we, we have uh, one of the images that we like to leave in people's minds is this sort of tornado of, if you think about this process as a tornado, right? You got a supercell thunderstorm up in the clouds and there's all this dynamic going on up there. Then the change happens, the grief happens, that's the funnel, yeah. right? And then you get all this this destruction on the ground, right? It's a great analogy. And, and what happens is leaders wait for the destruction on the ground because yeah. they've not been trained otherwise. They've not yeah. been permission given permission otherwise, right? They may even have their legal team or their HR team telling you, you know, hey, don't ask these personal questions, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're incented to deal with performance, right? Mm -hmm. And as part of their high performance teams culture, right? Uh, and so they wait for the performance. It's way too late engage early, right? Um, and replace and replace judgment with curiosity. It's yeah. not, why are you feeling this way? It's not, you shouldn't feel this way. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're not making your numbers. It's not, you know, hey, if, if things don't improve, we're going to have to, right? It's, it's, hey, tell me what's going on. This mm -hmm. isn't, this isn't right. The curiosity, what's, help me understand what's going on. This isn't, this isn't like you to, to not be performing better. Help me understand. Right. Yeah. Um, because I want to help you. Right. So engage in that discussion. It's another way of saying, ask the five whys, except in a much less interrogating fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's replacing judgment. Why are you doing this with curiosity? Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What's happening? We understand. Yeah. Right? What are you feeling? What's going on? How can I help? Right. And it's, it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Yeah, right? absolutely. We are not trying to teach people how to be psychologists and grief <laughs> right? What we are trying to do is help them to open up the window of discussion to understand what the underlying issues are and then to work with that person to get the support that they need to move on, right? right. It's a very people-centric, but results-oriented 
process, right? To have it just be the part of the problem today with change is it's it's largely results oriented, mm-hmm. right? We got to hit this metric, we got to hit this milestone, right? We got to do this, we got to do that, and it doesn't really comprehend the people side. And if you go the other way and you're very people centric, right? People focused, uh, but you don't ever care about the results. Well, that's that doesn't get you anywhere either, right? Then everybody right. feels great, but the organization isn't isn't performing, and so. It's blending those together, and we use those three circles as a way to get there, right? Amazing. What we what we want leaders to do, and organizations to do, is shift from I care about the numbers, I think about the people, to I care about the people, and I think about the numbers. Yeah. There's some quote by Richard Branson where he's like, take care of your employees and the rest will follow or something like that. I mean, he he has a great way of, I I totally butchered the quote. Sorry, Richard. Um, Sir Richard, I should say. So, but yeah, something along those lines that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. So the number one thing would be replace judgment with curiosity. You could do that the moment this podcast ends. I love it. And people will recognize that you are leading differently. I love it. So simple, yet difficult to put into practice uh, unless you're aware of it, which is now everyone can be thinking about this. Anthony, we have barely uh, scraped the surface of how, you know, all the, the, the knowledge and resources that um, grief leaders offers, where can people find you? How can they connect? What is the best way to get in touch with you and guy? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, So LinkedIn, I like you, I'm a LinkedIn person. So mm-hmm. uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to connect and uh, share conversations um, uh, and, and thoughts uh, and delve in a little bit more deeply with people's, with people's experiences. Uh, and also griefleaders.com, uh, you can, which is all one word, griefleaders.com uh, is where you can follow us uh, and the articles that we publish and put out um, and there's even there's a contact form in there if you want to uh, to engage with us uh, in a in sort of an introductory collaborative kind of call. Happy to do that. Uh, those are the two best places to get a hold of us. Perfect. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and wisdom with Apogee's community, uh, with the broader community on LinkedIn, because this is where it'll be posted um, on Apogee's YouTube YouTube channel as well. But I just I really appreciate that you are thinking about this and are actively teaching organizations and have this big scope of impact. Um, and you're thinking about, you know, Obviously, the, the individual humans are at the core of what you do, and uh, I just, I really respect and um, admire it. So thank you so much for being on the show today, and have a great rest of your day. Well, thanks, Jessica. Really appreciate it. You too. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Take care.